Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, as well as iHeartRadio and several other networks. And, you know, usually when I get into this show, I always try to just have a huge buildup to a special guest. And for those that have been listening from all the way back from the beginning, back in the beginning of 2016 for season one, would remember that uh, this show, my original plan was for it to be just my commentary on different things going on and playing like little clips and and a lot of presser sound to just support it. Now, this episode today is going to be a bit of a throwback to that because I'm going to go with no guest. And the main reason is I have so much sound that pertains to this one sport and that is baseball. Major League Baseball had a huge, I would say, last couple of weeks. Because if you go from the All-Star game and everything that happened there with the home run derby, Bryce Harper, to uh, leading through to, uh, you know, the, the trade deadline, which just passed. And we had a flurry of deals and non-deals. And did it help this team? Did it hurt this team? All these different things came about from that, not to mention the Hall of Fame inductions. So you had the Baseball Hall of Fame had its annual inductions in Cooperstown. Uh, you had uh, some new members now. Uh, just to give you a rundown, Jack Morris, uh, Alan Trammell. Um, uh, see, I don't want to forget anybody, but uh, Jim Tomey, Chipper Jones. Those two, I'm going to say specifically for a reason. Come back to that. Vladimir Guerrero. And uh, Trevor Hoffman, all inducted this year. So uh, they all gave amazing speeches. I'm actually going to play Jim Tomey and uh, Chipper Jones. I'm going to play pieces of their speeches because uh, I just thought they were really good. And to me, they're like the two players. And, you know, you could throw Vlad in there. Now, I didn't want to play Vlad's just because he he speaks Spanish. And you'll mostly be hearing just the uh, translator. Is It comes off different on the radio than you are watching it on TV. Because on TV, they have him speak it. And then they go straight to the translator. And you can see the difference is reaction. Now, on the radio, you'll just be hearing more of the translator. So I didn't want to really go down that route, per se. But uh, you, I hope you guys understand. So with that being said, all respect to Vladimir Guerrero. One of my favorite players of all time. I mean, the guy was an amazing hitter because he didn't have a strike zone. He wasn't one of those players that he needed to have the pitch, you know, a certain spot, like a sweet spot for him to hit a home run or a big hit. He would literally hit the ball after bouncing off the plate. Like, the guy was a free swinger that made contact. He was always a 300 hitter. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just surprising how great he was. And then you don't even talk about how great he was defensively in the outfield. Probably the strongest arm in baseball. And that's, you got to think about all the great outfield arms there have been. I mean, this guy would go on a, on a regular, like, routine uh, fly ball on a crawl hop and just throw a frozen rope, a frozen rope to the uh, catcher. I mean, he just misses the cutoff man, goes straight to the catcher. He had that type of arm strength. And if anybody's ever had the, uh, the joy of seeing him play, whether it was in Montreal, he's one of the last great expos. That's what they always keep saying. So he's always going to have a, a special place in uh, Canada's heart, uh, you know, for his years there. Uh, Anaheim uh, with the Angels or Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, whatever they want to call themselves. Great times there as well. Uh, just a, an all around great player. So I, I do want to give him a shout out. Even though I'm not going to play his speech, but uh, Chipper Jones. Uh, I do have to give him his respect, and I'm not a Mets fan, so I'm not going to be bitter talking about the amazing career of Chipper Jones. I'm a Yankees fan. We beat him twice, so there is no, like, oh, my God, you know, Chipper Jones, uh, we hate him. No, It's nothing like that. It's not like with the Mets. He actually hit, I believe, 38 home runs against the Mets alone, and uh, his teammates would say that he just loved playing against that team. So I just thought that was very interesting. He even named his daughter Shay. You know, I don't want to say that somebody named their child in spite of a place, but that's a that's a heck of a coincidence to name your daughter after the uh, 
the the ballpark of your rival team of the Mets back then. It used to be Shea Stadium before they uh, have City Field now. But uh, Chipper Jones, just a, all around one of the best third basemen to ever play the game. The guy timely hit from both sides of the plate, can hit from both sides of the plate. You know, you can see certain guys that would say, okay, he can only hit against right-handers. He can only hit against left-handers. He's stronger if he's batting from the right side. This guy could do it all. And that was one of my favorite things about Chipper. I mean, he just had that versatility. He knew how to come up with a big hit. And he was just um, always a, a guy you feared in the lineup. And this is from his first you know, his first year in the big leagues to even his last year in the big leagues when he started, when he, you could tell he lost a step. So uh, Chipper Jones, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I definitely agree with that completely. So there was no surprise there. Um, the other guy, Jim Tomey. Now, Jim Tomey, I always had my, my thoughts about him because I always felt like he was just a slugger. But when you really look at his body of work, the guy started off as a third baseman eventually moved over to first base. Then he became that DH that everyone likes to to poke at because they always say a DH is not a complete player in baseball. And I disagree because why would you come up with the position if it's not a real position of anything? Like, I think Edgar Martinez, as a sidebar, should be in the Hall of Fame since we are talking about designated hitters. You know, David Ortiz better be first ballot. These are uh, big topics. And Jim Tomey, you know, what what he did with the Indians was amazing. Just a great power hitter. Um, and, I, I, you know, you think about that team that came so close multiple times to winning a title, whether it was in 95 or in 97. You know, the Indians should have had a couple. Let's just put it in perspective. But in my opinion, what got him into the uh, Hall of Fame was how he went to Philadelphia. When the, Let's be real. Phillies were horrible at this point. And he helped shape, like, he helped pretty much revitalize that franchise. He may not have been the one that led him to that title, but he started the foundation for them to get new players to um to really be a threat in that NL East back then. So uh, I just think that his contributions to the game with that, and always, I mean, always was a force at the plate. You just got to be careful pitching to Jim Tomey because you mess up one time and he said that about 400 plus feet, uh, you know, out of the ballpark. So definitely a a great player, well-deserved honor as well. And uh, I'll play some of his speech. But uh, like other than everything that went on during the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, we had the trade deadline. Trade deadline has come and gone. We had a couple of moves. I mean... I'm going to get into the Mets and Yankees uh, a little bit later because I'm just going to focus on them a little bit later in the show. But I do want to just look at some of the deals that that did get done. Uh, how about Archer finally getting traded? Now, I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little surprised here for the uh, Rays because they have always held off on trading this guy. They, they sent him to Pittsburgh. And the Rays have had this weird setup where they just don't go with a traditional starting pitcher. He was like one of their few traditional starting pitchers for the most part. They deal him, and he's been with the team for a while. He, he had, he's he been struggling this season, and I believe he struggled the last couple of years as well. But he's a guy that people expect to be good, and he can really make a difference on a team. And Pittsburgh is one of those teams that's kind of on the fringe of whether or not they want to be a contender this year. Because that National League is wide open. It's uh, it's really tough to call at this point. I think the Cubs are still leading. You still got the Dodgers who picked up Manny Machado. And Manny Machado is, you know, let's be honest, he's one of the best players in baseball. They trade five prospects just for Manny Machado. That was one huge deal as well. Uh, the Yankees, they made sure they were involved. They uh, made a deal for Jay Happ with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. And also picking up um pick up Zach Britton as well. And uh Britton actually is gonna be their new setup guy. He was the closer for the Baltimore Orioles. That's like I said, that's a big deal. I'm gonna hear more from uh, Brian Cashman a little bit later in the show from his press conference right after that deal was done. Uh then you also uh just little moves that were made. Uh the the Red Sox, they continue to add pieces as they Want to extend their lead against the Yankees? Uh, 
They added Ian Kinsler at the deadline. Ian Kinsler is a veteran second baseman. There's still problems with uh, Dustin Pedroia is staying healthy over there. So they got some insurance bringing a second baseman that is a, that is a veteran and the guy just knows how to play the game. It's a huge deal. So that was a, that was a huge move for them. They also picked up Avaldi to add to their starting pitching rotation. It's uh it's really been a process when you talk about the um, Red Sox and what they want to do. That, those were some deals that were um being discussed for a while. But the uh, bigger story, and I will, like I said, dive into the Mets. Mets didn't make any big moves. The only thing they did was trade Adrubal Cabrera to the uh, Phillies, but they didn't trade any of the big arms. You know, they, they said they want to compete in 2019. But uh, the Mets have so many issues going on, obviously, with their uh, GM having to step down temporarily because of health reasons. Uh, we're going to get into that. And uh, another deal that really, surprisingly to me, didn't get done, only because if you're going to flaunt out such a, a big fish like this and watch the Nationals, they're like five games out of a uh, playoff spot. They really thought they could just throw out Bryce Harper and... You know, just see who's going to bite. And I, I was really surprised by this. I just feel like you have a perennial all-star. You have a guy that may or may not resign, but you, you're just not going to be able to just dangle him out there and think you're going to get enough value back right away. That's just not realistic. So I was surprised that they even attempted that and that teams were actually trying to listen to it. So, you know, Bryce Harper is a... um one of those special, special players that you do want to keep around. And especially after what they just did with the All-Star game, All-Star game was in D.C. He was a great ambassador for it. You had uh, him winning the home run derby in the most dramatic of ways. I mean, the guy put on a show. Let's just let's just put it out there. The guy put on a show at the end of the home run derby. So uh, a real surprise that he was on the block even if it was for a day. The president had to come out. The president of the of the uh, Nationals had to come out and just dispel all of those rumors there. Said that that wasn't going to happen. But uh, it was a hot topic. Definitely a hot topic for most of the trade deadline. And just the teams that were just trying to either, you know, add some prospects. Because if you're a team losing right now like the New York Mets who just got destroyed again. I mean, they had Jose Reyes pitching a game against the Washington Nationals. They lost 25 to 4. Yes, you heard me, 25 to 4. And I don't know, you know, when you're, when you're a team like that, you just want to get prospects back. You just want to get some type of value that you could build for the future and hit the reset button. And uh, the New York Mets definitely fall into that category after starting off so hot. It's just the way it goes. Uh, I think a lot of teams so far have helped themselves out considerably. I, I think I like what the Rays are starting to do now. They uh, are trying to, to just get as much talent as possible. The Baltimore Orioles, they realize they're out of it. Dealing Machado, getting five prospects back was a really big deal. Getting some prospects from the Yankees is a big deal. This is a team that is really looking to to just revamp everything and, and like and really get it going. And And I respect that, trust me. If you're not going to win and you know you have talent and you know you have the ability to bring in even more talent for the future, this is the time to do it now. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm all four teams doing that. But uh, like I said, going back to the Bryce Harper situation, that guy is the face of the franchise, been there since he was 19 years old. It would have been interesting to see if they would have pulled the trigger on a deal and what would have taken to make that deal happen. Those are always the... uh, the big questions when you come when you, when it comes to a guy of that stature, because let's be real, Bryce Harper is the franchise. He is the big component for that team. And uh, just with that being said, what we're going to do is before we go to break, I'm going to play uh, a clip of um, Harper talking about, you know, not getting traded and as well as the uh, general manager and the manager of the team giving their thoughts. So those are their that's their press conference sound. We're going to do that before I go to break. You're listening to Sports Social with Eddie Stan Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I wonder what, what that felt like and whether it's been a, a little bit of a ride here in the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, whenever you hear your name or see your name on stuff, um, you always wonder. But, uh, you know, I think that's just the business side of the game. It's, it's, it's part of the game. And, you know, other teams are trying to get better. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, something that came up. And... You know, Rizzo reassured me uh, 
you know, earlier yesterday that I wasn't going anywhere. So, uh, you know, I was I was very uh, happy about that, and God, I'm still inside this clubhouse. How do you guys in here feel knowing that you know there there are a lot of guys who aren't under contract past this year? They could have opted to to make some big moves to, uh, given where things are at, and they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think that just goes to show how good of you know how good our management is and how good. Um, you know, people upstairs are and how much faith they have in this team and this clubhouse. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, coming in here every single day, we're trying to win. We're trying to do the things we can do to, you know, win on a daily basis. And, um, you know, that shows from, you know, higher up and all the way down to us. So um, they got a lot of faith in us and, uh, you know, it goes a long way. Was the flip point where you thought you were going to trade uh, no, I mean, I think going into it, you know, Rizzo made it, you know, yesterday, early this morning, um, you know, made it known that I was going to stay here and I was going to be here. Um, and, you know, that's, I took that as, you know, me and Rizzo have a great relationship and, you know, Rizzo is one of the best teams in all the baseball. And I think he would be, uh, you know, straightforward with me if I was, uh, you know, on the block or anything like that. So um, I think that just goes to show how good our relationship is. And, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to see. The flip side is a lot of the National League teams stayed at. I mean, Archer goes to Pittsburgh, Gossman goes to Atlanta, Ramos goes to Philly. You guys traded away Kinsler and added nothing. I wonder how that makes you feel inside the clubhouse. Uh, I think it's fine. I think uh, we've played some of the worst baseball we can, and you know we're only five and a half games back. Um, we're getting our whole team back, and hopefully do a little back here pretty soon, and Strauss as well. Um, just got to keep playing our baseball, and you know if if we click. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, five and a half back with, I don't know how many games, um, but we got to, you know, we got to have a, uh, you know, right mindset about it and play the game the right way and do the things we can to win ball games. And, you know, we play, uh, you know, the Phillies a couple of times, the Braves a couple of times, and uh, just got to keep grinding. I'm very happy to write Bryce's name in the lineup still and uh, looking forward to writing his name every day. We had uh, several discussions uh, with, with teams about, uh, about a, a whole litany of our players. Uh, Bryce was one of them. Uh, several teams had more than passing interest. Uh, we, uh, we did our due diligence on Bryce and, and five or six other of our, uh, of our players and couldn't come up with a, a deal that made sense for us for the 2018 season and beyond. So we, so we didn't make a deal until, uh, until really late this uh, afternoon when, uh, when the Cubs came to us and, and came to us with a deal that made sense and, uh, and we reacted by trading uh, Kinsler. Is it fair to say it would have, you guys would have asked me a lot for Harper that it would have taken a really special, special Well, I think, I think you go back to the comments I made, uh, you know, what was it, a week or so ago, is, you know, it had to be a, a spectacular set of circumstances for us to move uh, a player of Bryce Harper's uh, ability level and, uh, we, and we didn't get anything that met those qualifications. Well, I only got in touch with them when, uh, you know, when uh, some information came out that we were, you know, in the midst of uh, looking to trade Bryce Harper, and I thought that that time was probably a good idea to say that those were that was false information, and we and he wasn't going to get me traded. That was that was uh, la you know, later last night. Hey, Dad. Yeah. You remember that ball game we went to a couple years ago? Sure. And how you didn't have enough cash for two hot dogs, so you walked with me on your shoulders until we found an ATM? And then when we got back to our seats, we never saw the hot dog guy again. Well, I don't remember all that. Yeah, that was an awesome game. You never know which moments will be the ones they'll remember forever. So take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one 877 dad or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Announcing that Sandy will be taking an immediate leave of absence to address his personal health. It is paramount to all of us that care greatly for Sandy that he makes this a priority for him and his family. <clears throat> During Sandy's absence, Assistant GM John Rico, along with Special Assistants J.P. Ricciardi and Omar Minaya, will assume decision-making authority on all baseball matters. As you all, or some of you are aware, I was uh, originally diagnosed with cancer <clears throat> in uh, 2015. Um, <clears throat> At the uh, end of April, early May, um, a recurrence was uh, detected. And uh, <clears throat> since that time, uh, I've been undergoing uh, treatment. 
Uh, <clears throat> I expect that uh, the treatment will continue. Expect to have surgery later in the summer. Uh, my prognosis is actually good, uh, <clears throat> but in the meantime, um, the chemotherapy, the surgery, um, all take their toll. Um, <clears throat> uh, I haven't been traveling on the road, as B riders are aware. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, consistent with uh, the treatment, energy levels vary. Uh, other side effects which makes it difficult to stay up with the uh, sort of the pace, you know, the tempo of, of the everyday. Um, <clears throat> operations continue, the game continues, uh, we have a season uh, to play. So I think in the best interest of uh, the Mets and, uh, and for my health, uh, this, is, this is the right result. Um, <clears throat> I feel badly that, uh, you know, we've had the season that we have had to date. Uh, <clears throat> I feel personally responsible uh, for the results that we've had. Uh, <clears throat> at the same time, you know, I have, I have confidence in our manager, our coaching staff, uh, our players, uh, th that this will change. Um, <clears throat> Uh, John, uh, Omar, JP, um, I'm sure we'll take a hard look at where we are, maybe take a fresh look at where we are, and uh, <clears throat> I have every confidence that they will uh, uh, serve the, the uh, franchise well over the, over the next uh, few months through the end of the season. Um, <clears throat> difficult day for me, but I um, <clears throat> appreciate everybody being here, appreciate the support um, <clears throat> uh, that everyone has provided me over the course of uh, a long period of time, but certainly um, <clears throat> recently as well, uh, over the course of this season and others, and um, I'm looking forward to the Mets getting back on track. The, uh, did health problems, did that affect your jo job in any way? And looking back, what's the biggest mistake you think you've made? Well, you're talking about eight years or over the last uh, six months? <laughs> okay. Well, look, uh, you know, we signed, I don't know, five, six free agents over the off season, And um, really, not one of them has performed up to their expectations or probably ours either. Um, <clears throat> I think that's, you know, it's one, it's a bad result, but at the same time, I think it's a commentary on the process. And I think that that's something that, uh, you know, one has to revisit. And, uh, you know, anytime you make a series of decisions, uh, they turn out well or poorly, it's important to go back and try to figure out why. And uh, so I think that, um, you know, that's certainly not to say that those, those free agents won't, continue, won't, won't perform better as time goes on. But uh, uh, and I wouldn't call those mistakes in the sense that, but they certainly did not turn out as we had uh, hoped. And um, this is a results business. Okay, so you just finished hearing some of the uh, sound from the press conference announcing uh, Sandy Alderson uh, stepping down for the New York Mets because of health reasons and just the fallout from that. I mean, this was uh, a little over a month ago, and uh, the Mets, you know, they, they didn't make the moves that I expect them to make. Let's be real. This team is not good. It is just not a good team, and you got guys like DeGrom, you got Syndergaard, you got big pieces. Now, much they traded Matt Harvey, but Matt Harvey didn't have much value at the time that they dealt him away. They didn't get much back anyway. But a guy like DeGrom, who, in my opinion, is not interested in really coming back and being a part of his team in the long term, why not make a deal and build up your farm system and add some more quality players? I mean, granted... DeGrom is a great pitcher, but he's also a pitcher that is very injury-prone. Why not roll the dice a little bit, get a little risky, and say, okay, how about 
We look at Syndergaard. We look at, you know, our different options in regards to who we want to deal and see what type of prospects we can get back. Manny Machado, I got to keep saying this. The Dodgers traded five major prospects. Five prospects for Manny Machado. Like, that's how real that uh, deal was for them. That You know, they're willing to, to, to trade that much. So I can only help but wonder, like, Jacob DeGrom, what would have taken for the Yankees to say, okay, let's pull a deal here. Because you know the Yankees were that team that that were interested that was very interested in uh in, in making a, a move here. I just didn't think the Mets would really just sit back and say, you know, we're gonna wait and hold on to our players for uh next year. I thought it was a big surprise. I mean, especially the situation now where they're not gonna have uh UN assessments for a full calendar year. Uh just a freak injury after freak injury with this guy. It's really scary situation if you're a Mets fan. You don't know what you're getting. You really have no clue what type of situation you're going to have with um, Yoenis Cespedes. Uh, the guy just can never stay healthy. I, I think when before he was coming back, they were saying that he was going to move him to first base. And now you have too many first basemen. What do you do with this guy? What do you do with that guy? It's just a lot of guessing if, if you're the Mets franchise right now. Uh, Familia did get traded. I, I saw that as being an interesting move. Uh, they got some prospects back for Oakland. And, you know, Cabrera being dealt. Yeah, I see that. Everybody kind of saw that coming. I thought he, I didn't see him coming back this year. That was a big surprise to me. But they finally got rid of him. I felt like they wanted to do this for a long time anyway. You know, they had moved him from his natural position, a shortstop, to, uh, you know, show signs of that. I look at just the way the Mets, just their focus and what they want to be next year. They keep saying they want to be contenders next year. I look at this team on paper, David Wright, you know, I didn't want to bring up David Wright, but what's going on with that situation? Is he going to retire or not? This is, this is getting very sad. It's getting very sad. I'm not a, I'm not a Mets fan, but you can't help but feel like this is disturbing. I mean, the guy has not played in roughly two years, but he's still the captain. He's still on the roster. I mean, after a while, you kind of have to wonder is it time to just, you know, let's let's give it up here? Maybe this is it. You know, it just it's not meant to happen. And it, it sucks to say that for a guy that has done so much for the franchise. He was the face of the franchise. But if you can't stay healthy and you just can't be on the field, what good is it? Now, with the Mets, we don't know what's going to happen moving forward with their general manager situation. Mickey Calloway, people already, I read the tweets, you know, everyone's saying the guy's clueless. The guy doesn't know what he's doing. It was his first year out. Remember, they were all praising him when he was 11-1, and I believe, in the beginning of the season. But uh, it's just a reality hit him. I mean, this is a tough, tough business. And I think Callaway's a good guy. I, I want to see him get some more opportunities with a healthy roster. It's just that I've never seen a healthy Mets roster. Maybe in 2015, I guess you could say that. That team that went to the World Series, they were the healthiest Mets team that has been available in a long time. I, I guess we can say that. But uh, it's it's just something that they really have to consider this offseason and, and just figure out. Because the Jose Reyes, you know, being a utility guy thing was a bust. I mean... Jose Reyes, I, I'd be surprised if he catches over another team next year. That's my genuine opinion. I, I you know, I want to give the guy as many opportunities as possible. He is a Mets legend at the end of the day, but uh, he, he just he was not. He just didn't do anything. I'd be honest with you. The guy couldn't hit. You know, he wasn't really the best infielder. Yes, he could play multiple positions, but it just wasn't effective. And you know, if you're out there, you're just not effective. Not only are your teammates going to notice this, but fans are definitely going to point it out. And uh, that just happened to be the case with uh, with Jose. So it's like the Jose Reyes, David Wright era. You know, you just got to put it to sleep now. It's time to move on. You got Conforto. You got a young players, you know. Let's focus on that. You know what? I got to give Nemo a chance. I like Brendan Nemo, you know. The guy, he's going to get into a fight one day with the whole, like, I'm going to be extra, run hard, and do all this stuff, you know, for a walk. It's going to be a process with that, but I do like him. I think he's a guy that's going to stick around for a while. Mets have options. You know, Tim Tebow's still out there. I didn't want to throw Tim Tebow out there, but hey, the guy was an all-star in double-A. 
That means there's some skill there. Just want to put that in the air. Um, now, transitioning over to the Yankees, since we're staying in New York, this team is building up as much as they can for this playoff run. Uh, they dealt away a couple of guys, you know, Tyler Austin, uh, in order to pick up a pitcher, starting pitcher from uh, the uh, Minnesota Minnesota Twins. And you look at the Jay Happ trade, and Happ is going to be probably on the DL now. He's sick. Uh, that's a freak situation. They're playing without Aaron Judge right now, who is uh, suffering from the effects of that of being hit by a pitch. And, you know, hand injuries are so tough. Hand, wrist, that whole area when you're a batter because you can't even hold the bat yet. And that's that's a huge deal. So I'm really, you know, as a Yankees fan, I'm concerned because the, the Red Sox are not losing. And you don't want to go into a one-game playoff like you did last year and roll a dice because you're going to play a team that's really good. And they can jump on you really fast. Severino did not look good the last two or three starts. That's a concern as well. It's These are the things that are, are facing the Yankees right now. I know people are saying, oh, why not? How come the Yankees didn't try to be aggressive and go after Machado? I still think they get Machado in the offseason. And Duhar's done an amazing job. You got Glaber Torres, who, when he's healthy, is an amazing player. Greg Bird's been very disappointing. I, let's be real. We're waiting for this guy for about uh, three years now. He's always had some type of ankle, knee, you name it. He's had that injury. I just don't know what the guy can do if he's healthy and, and just hitting it. You know, he has not been consistent with the bat. He was a guy that was supposed to be slated into our number three hole, and he's been up and down the lineup. They just can't figure out what to do with him. Um, I'm a little disappointed with Didi Gregorius. He started off so hot. Uh, everyone was talking about he was one of the more underrated shortstops. He should be retired, should be an all-star. He got so cold for a good month and a half that uh, the guy went from batting third in the lineup to at one point batting seventh. It's just, you gotta, you know, the consistency has got to be there. And mind you, talk about a team that's 30 games over 500. But because the Red Sox are playing so well, you have to be critical because you're not going to win a division. And you're just one game away from your season being over. Like, all those wins meaning nothing. That's what a one-game playoff does. And that's why I've never been a fan of that, of saying going to the wild card game that, you should feel comfortable because I, I just don't think that works. It just does not work that way. So for the Yankees, it's going to be a lot of growing pains. Aaron Boone, I thought Aaron Boone has done, has done a great job so far. Uh, he's done a good job with the pitchers. I think the pitchers have been pretty good. Uh, the bullpen, you know, has to get this consistency back because in past years, the bullpen has been the backbone of this team. I thought CeCe's been really good. Uh, the, the trades... You know, Britain's going to help. You bring in a real left-handed um, specialist, uh, a guy that has closer stuff, and you're talking about having basically four closers in that bullpen. Robertson, people forget, was a closer for a while. So, uh, Batances, you mix him in there. Chapman, when healthy, is is basically unhittable. Yankees are going to make a run. Everyone's waiting for that run, but they got to keep these guys going. Gardner's got to keep hitting. Hicks has got to keep hitting. They got to get guys healthy. Frazier, this would be the time he'd be playing right now while a judge is out. But uh, he's recovering from concussion-like symptoms. So it's just different things going on with this team. And I'm still a believer in the Yankees. I'm still a believer in what, they, what they're trying to do and uh, just the future of the franchise. I'm a fan of Brian Cashman, who we're about to hear from now, as he uh, gave his thoughts on you know acquiring J-Hap as well as Britain. So... Just going to take a listen to that. This is his uh, press conference after these uh, big acquisitions. And uh, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Uh, we've been in contact with you know, uh, a lot of teams clearly about the available starters on the marketplace. And you know, it's an area of need that we've been trying to fill for, for a while. And we had targeted HAP as one of, you know, uh, uh, a few targets that were um, enviable, and so I, you know, Ross Atkins and I have, you know, uh, just just stayed in touch uh, and you know, tried to negotiate, you know, uh, his acquisition costs for quite some time, and and finally made a decision to pull the trigger today, um, and obviously went through the medical process, and here we are. 
So hopefully he's going to be a welcome addition here. He's a veteran left-hander, has a lot, has clearly had a lot of success, um, and uh, pitched in the American League East. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a welcome addition. Brian, Dan, uh, you said the other day that one of the issues you were having in acquiring a starting pitcher was that a lot of the targets were pitching worse as the deadline approached. He's, his results have not been as good lately. How much of a, a concern was that before he made the, the move? It's certainly something I was, you know, utilizing to the best of my abilities. I at least tried to in my negotiation ta tactics with Ross Atkins, but I think Ross, at the, at, Ross Atkins at the same time recognized he had one of the better available starters in the marketplace. And so, uh, um, you know, he's held firm the last few uh, number of days in terms of what his ask from us was. And, and it was, it felt like a little bit of a stare down contest towards the end. And finally I decided, you know, I, you know, uh, being an experienced executive in this game and knowing that I was a buyer that I, you know, how I, you know, I usually approach things as how would I feel if, uh, if he wound up going in a different direction and then I wound up pivoting and having to continue my journey looking for something I needed and, and, and Jay Happ was someone we valued. Uh, so, you know, the last number of days I've been, you know, trying to determine would I be willing to, uh, you know, pay this particular price. And, and, uh, and I, today was the day I decided to push through on it. And so, um, in his more recent performance, he's been struggling, uh, as many other guys have as well, but, uh, but I'm looking forward to him to, you know, obviously coming in here and competing and fitting in with what we've got here and and contributing. I mean, I needed a fresh arm that could give us some competitive innings, and I think at the very least he's going to do that. But I think there's a lot more upside than what he's recently pitched like. And, uh, you know, but like everybody else here, it's, you know, these games count as we move forward every day, and hopefully we're going to get positive contributions for everybody that's uh, written in that lineup by Aaron Boone. Brendan, you just mentioned why you, you said uh, there's more upside there. Uh, why do you see more upside? What do you think he can do better? Well, I think he's had mostly a very successful campaign this year up until his you know more recent you know performance in the last six to seven starts. And so, um, so I think he's probably more likely what you've seen over the the, the landscape of this season rather than uh, the the more focused lens of the last month. And um, but we'll see. And there's still a few days before the trade deadline. Do you envision making more moves, or do you see this probably being your roster for the second half? Time will tell. I mean, we are definitely active, as everybody is, whether you're contending or or not. You know, uh, everybody is trying to figure ways to improve their roster, whether it's in the near term or the future. And so, um, we'll play on that. You know, on every level, uh, and. Uh, see if there's anything else we can run into that we feel you know comfortable enough to to recommend ownership and and hopefully you know improve this franchise uh, again you know our main focus is on the present um but that doesn't preclude obviously anything that you know can play on the future at the same time so you know we are fully engaged as everybody else is so i can't predict how it's going to play out but we definitely satisfied you know um some needs here in the in the more recent days and again hopefully they're beneficial moves Wally. Cash, obviously, Hap wasn't the only pitcher that you were looking at. You know, there were a lot of names were, were out there. What factor was it that pushed you to settle on him? Was it because of the demands of the other side, because of the fact that he's, he's pitching the East, his success against Boston? What was it that, that made you settle on him? I mean, but we, you know, we, like, we like the pitcher. We always have, um, despite him not pitching here until now uh, in the near future. Uh, so, um you know, he's obviously a very, you know, crafty lefty that uh, uh, has had a lot of success. He's got some swing and miss. Uh, he's navigated the landscape of this particular division already. So we know he's battle-tested, you know, in postseason. So it's it's just a veteran that's, you know, experienced, you know, the grind. And uh, his makeup is supposed to be exactly uh, the type of DNA that's already existing in this clubhouse. And so that's always checking a good box for us as well. And, um, and we did evaluate him as one of the better available starters in this particular trade market. And so um, he was on the wish list. Uh, and, you know, obviously we made that wish happen today by pushing through on this. Um, but, 
pushing through cost us obviously some players that we value at the same time and Brandon Drury and and uh, and Billy McKinney and their control years. So it doesn't come without a cost. And so we recognize that. But that's you know this obviously, you know, process works. So we're in a, you know, thankfully we're in a position to be in a buyer's position. And, and, and with that, you know, you have to push some chips in the middle of the table if you want to play the game. And I could have played it out a little bit longer uh, and sit and kind of wrestle with where it took us. And, but uh, I thought that was too risky to do. And I wanted to make sure that uh, we secured the one we wanted. I'm Paul George. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Wow, is this amazing. These last few months have been an absolute whirlwind for a kid that grew up in Peoria, Illinois, hitting rocks in our gravel driveway on Southcrest Drive with aluminum bat until my family and neighbors couldn't take it anymore. This is the ultimate dream come true. I was only in college for a short time before being drafted, but I can't imagine that any fraternity experience I could have had would have been better than this one. This is the ultimate fraternity. I wouldn't be here if it were, weren't for two very important groups of people. First of all, to the writers who wrote my name down on your ballots. I'm honored that you think I'm worthy, and I hope that I'll continue to prove you right. And to the fans that have rooted for me throughout my whole career, many of whom have traveled here today to support, your support has meant everything. Thank you. It was the pleasure in my life to play hard for you for 22 years. People ask me all the time if it's sunk in yet that I'm a Hall of Famer. I think that moment came for me in late February when I sat in Jeff Idelson's office and the great Henry Aaron was on the other line, welcoming me into this brotherhood. I'm in awe in each I'm in awe of each and every one of these men gathered behind me, and I want to thank them for traveling all across the country to help support our class of 2018. Thank you so much, guys. Chipper, Trevor, Vlad, Jack, and Alan, congratulations. What an absolute privilege it is to go into the Hall of, Hall of Fame alongside each of you. And congratulations to Sheldon Oker and Bob Costas, yesterday's deserving award winners. The Hall of Fame is an amazing place, the intersection of the game's past and present. Being here, the overwhelming feeling I have is one of respect, because those who came before me are the shoulders we humbly stand on today. The hall is also a place where players and fans come together to celebrate the game that has no borders, no boundaries, and will forever be defined by its timeless nature. Because even though the cell phone might have replaced the transistor radio, and the iPads are more common now than the sports page, baseball is still played the same way between the lines. Any place is only as good as the people who run it. People like Jane Forbes Clark, Jeff Idelson, 
John Shestakovsky and Whitney Sellover and Eric Stroll. Thank you for what you do every day as caretakers of our sport and for making my family feel so welcome and taken care of. Thank you. When I was writing my speech, I was overwhelmed as I reflected on the number of people who have helped shape my career. The first person will come as no surprise. From the moment I met Charlie Manuel, as a wide-eyed kid in the Gulf Coast League, I knew this was someone I could connect with instantly. Charlie took a scrappy young kid who was anxious to hit a million home runs and actually encouraged those crazy dreams. He told me that I could hit as many home runs as I wanted to. From, from day one in that dugout in Kissimmee, he always believed in me. Chuck, I'll never forget the day you called me in your office in Scranton. You had this idea that I could benefit from what Roy Hobbs was doing. Little did I know that day in Pennsylvania would change everything for me. From that day on, all we did was work, work, and work some more. You know I wouldn't be standing here today without you. Thank you for everything, but most of all, thank you for your loyalty. When I was drafted in 1989 by the Cleveland Indians, I remember one man being almost as excited as I was. My scout, Tom Couston, thank you for taking a chance on me. I'm grateful that we've remained friends all these years and to my agent for my entire career, Pat Rooney. I'm so glad we got to take this ride together. Thanks, Pat. What can I say about Cleveland? Both as a city and as an organization, my time in Northeast Ohio shaped the person that I am today in so many ways. Dick Jacobs had vision and the teams he built alongside of John Hart, Dan O'Dowd and Mark Shapiro in the 90s were majestic. The Dolan family is doing an incredible job of continuing that legacy today. And I'm forever grateful that they've been so generous to me and my family over the years. I had amazing teammates in those days, wow. The top of that order, Lofton, Viskel, Bayerga, Bell, and my first, first roomie in the big league, Sandy Alomar, and a rock solid Charles Nagy on the hill, and two veteran leaders to guide us, Eddie Murray and Dave Winfield. To name one of them is to name all of them. They know how special they are to me. Those guys are my brothers. And to manager Mike Hargrove, thank you for continuing to write my name in the lineup, even when I struggle. Cleveland is where my career was born, but Philadelphia is where I had to grow up fast. I needed every single tool in my toolbox in Philly. The city welcomed me with open arms from the moment the electricians met us wearing NARS hard hats. The fans couldn't have been better. Larry Bowe was the manager and he was tough as nails. He pushed me and our team to a whole new level. Thanks, Bo, and the front office of Philly. First class all the way. David Montgomery, Bill Giles, alongside of Ed Wade and Ruben Amaro Jr. made my time there so meaningful. All my friends have been telling me for the last week or so, relax, take a deep breath, you'll do just fine. My reply, you stand up here in front of 40 or 50,000 people and 60 of your favorite you know, baseball players sitting behind you, let me know how you do. Would like to thank the baseball writers for this incredible honor. I also want to thank James Forbes Clark, Jeff Idelson, and the entire Hall of Fame staff. Since we got the call in January, done nothing but make this the most unbelievable experience for the Jones family, and we thank you. I want to start by congratulating each of the guys I'm being inducted with today. Jack Morris, 
One of the best big game pitchers that I've ever seen. As we found out in Atlanta watching you and Smoltzy pitch game seven, 1991 World Series. Tram, coming up as a shortstop, it was nothing better than watching you and Sweet Lou Whitaker turn that double play up in Detroit. I'm sure the city of Detroit is beaming with pride today upon yours and Jack's induction. Vlad, I'm not sure you ever saw a pitch you didn't like, but man, you always seem to put it in play hard somewhere. You've been an inspiration to all Latin players, and it was a pleasure to watch you roam right field, brother. Trevor Hoffman, I hated facing you, bro. Hated. You had the most devastating changeup I've ever seen in my life. You've been a great ambassador for the city of San Diego and baseball in general. Congratulations. Jim told me I gotta, I gotta tell the story one more time, old buddy. First time I met Jim, 1993, Richmond, Virginia. Ryan Klesko walks off a homer, as he usually did. Charlie Manuel didn't like that too much, and they then brought in the closer. First pitch behind Klesko. Here we go. Nice little Donnybrook there at the Diamond in, in Richmond, Virginia. So I go diving into the pile. Next thing I know, what can only be described as the hand of God grabs me around the throat, <laughs> pins me up to the backstop netting. All I can hear is, don't move. <laughs> so thinking God had me by around the, around the neck, naturally I obliged. Um, I did manage to glance up and see my mother and father in the third row, mom's eyes about this big. JT whispered in my ear, he said, you done? I said, yes, sir, I'm done. We've been buddies ever since. I'm glad I'm here sharing this day with you, buddy. You know, every person on this stage has had a group of people who believed in them from the start, whether it was before they had achieved much in baseball yet, or whether they just needed a little extra kick in the butt. That person that believed in them when the game or life had humbled them and had them down. Those are the people I want to thank here today because they are the ones responsible for me being on this stage. You all made this possible. For me, it all started in the little town of Pearson, Florida. I was just a country kid from a town with two caution lights, the self-proclaimed fern capital of the world. How do I, of all people, end up here on a stage with these iconic players, my childhood heroes, the best players in baseball history. I think for me, it came down to being focused on a goal, never losing sight of that goal, and being surrounded by people who believed in me. That belief started at home. My dad was a high school teacher and a coach. My mom, a professional equestrian. Pops was a huge Mickey Mantle fan. He started challenging me, me to hit left-handed when I was only seven years old. Dad and I would watch the Saturday game of the week. Then after it was over, head out into the backyard with a piece of PVC pipe and a tennis ball. His favorite team was the Baltimore Orioles. Me, I was a die-hard Dodger. We go in the backyard, we mimic the lineups. Reggie Smith came up to bat, had to hit left-handed. Same with Kenny Landro and Mike Sosha. Pretty soon, I took it as a challenge. I started stacking my lineup with lefties. I loved it. Little did I know, my dad was planting the seeds of belief, even back then, molding me into the switch hitter, like his idol, Mickey. The rest of Pearson was a big extended family for me. I wasn't just raised my, by, by my parents. I was raised by the Hagstroms, the Abbots, the other Joneses in Pearson, and my godfather, Pete Dunn who was the head baseball coach at Stetson University for nearly 40 years. Y'all taught me discipline, respect, and the value of hard work. Without even knowing it, you taught me to believe that a kid from Pearson, Florida could make it. I wouldn't be here without you. Thank you so much. When my parents made the tough decision entering my 10th grade year to send me to a boarding school two hours away, I learned how to stand on my own two feet. 
At the Bowles School, there were a whole host of lifelong friends and families that touched my life. And two men in particular were instrumental in making my dream come true. My football coach and dorm advisor, Charles Edwards, and my baseball coach, Don Seriano. Thank you both for all you and your families did for me. Thank you, Coach Seriano, for teaching me to believe that I could play the game at a new level. Thank you, Coach Edwards, for helping me realize I could make it on my own. And thank you to all my Bulls, family, and friends for giving me a home away from home. And thank you for being here today. Coming out of Bulls, the Atlanta Braves did me the distinct honor of drafting me number one overall in the 1990 draft. I promptly went into rookie ball and got overmatched pretty badly. It was the first time I'd ever really struggled in the game of baseball. After the season in instructional ball, I, met, I got the chance to meet uh, Hall of Famer Willie Stargell, and it could not have come at a better time for me. Pops was a rowing instructor for the Braves back then. He walked up to me and he picked up my bat said to me, son, I'll pick my teeth with bigger pieces of wood than this. <laughs> he also suggested that I swing the biggest bat I could get around on 90 miles an hour, start letting the pitcher supply all the power. He looked me dead in the eye and he said, we'll have you hitting 30 homers in no time. I thought he was crazy, but I'll be damned if he wasn't right. I swung that heavy bat until the day I retired. To him, Frank Howard, Glenn Hubbard, Grady Little, and all my minor league coaches, thank you for helping me believe that my dream could be realized. Four years after being drafted, after a couple pretty good minor league seasons, I came to camp in 1994 on the cusp of making the big league roster. But it wasn't to be. Two weeks before opening day, I blew out my left knee. There were no guarantees that I would ever be the same player again. In those days, you just didn't know. But one man never stopped believing in me, never. That man, Bobby Cox. Bobby, you believed in me before I truly believed I belonged in the big leagues. And on opening day, 1995, Bobby put me in the three hole in front of Fred McGriff and David Justice. You knew hitting me in front of those two dudes would give me a lot of fastballs and it worked. Thanks to you, the big guys around me on the, in the lineup and our bonnet pitching staff, we won the World Series in 1995. Sorry, Jim. Bobby, next to my parents, you had the biggest influence on my career of anybody. Thank you for drafting me. Thank you for never hesitating to put the bat in my hands with the game on the line. And thank you for never hesitating to believe in me. I want to take the time to thank everybody for tuning in to today's show as uh, I basically just went old school and just ranted a lot about uh, not only just what's going on in baseball, but New York baseball with the Mets and the Yankees and sharing my thoughts on what's going on, uh, as well as uh, just playing a couple of clips from the Hall of Fame from uh, what you heard from a speech with Jim Tomey with uh, Chipper Jones. Just uh, I'm always a big fan of like Hall of Fame speeches because you got to remember how great these guys were. And uh, just why, like as a kid, I, you know, I watched baseball, I played baseball. These were the guys that we were emulating when we were coming up to the plate, trying to do their batting stances, etc. So uh, it's always a cool weekend and it's always a cool event. And uh, like, you know, like I said, this was just a great couple of uh, weeks for baseball in uh, July. Like the end of July was just amazing. We're in August now. So uh, this is when it gets to the separation between which is a good team, which is a bad team, which is always a, uh, a fun time heading into the fall and heading into the playoffs. So it's a, uh, it's a great time uh, to be a baseball fan for everyone out there. So uh, till next time, make sure you listen to sports social with Edison jr. Every week, every Wednesday. I want people to understand that every Wednesday, check for a new episode, whether you're on Brooklyn free speech or you're on iHeart or even Spotify, or so many other networks that are out there. Make sure you check every Wednesday for a brand new episode. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check you next week. <laughs>